everybody, this is Chris. Welcome to the first installment of Chris's on Infinite Earths, here at the Chris and Reggie channel. Now we're looking for new ways to bring you more content, and so, perhaps somewhat selfishly, I figured, hey, why not try and repurpose some of the old blog posts over at chrisoninfiniteearths.com? Not to get too shilly or anything, I mean, there's uh, nearly a thousand of them, and uh, to be honest, they're kind of just sitting there, you know? Uh, so, why not try and uh, share them here on the show? Now, this won't be a deep dive like we do every week on the Cosmic Treadmill. Uh, there's not going to be any in-depth history on the creators, uh, no hook or anything like that. Uh, these are more going to be like uh, short visits. Now, I've got a really hard time committing to the word review. Uh, I'm not sure in all of my writings I've actually written something that people would consider a quote-unquote review. Uh, over at the blog, I refer to the pieces primarily as discussions. Uh, I guess here we could just call them visits. Now, these episodes, if they, you know, if they do become an ongoing thing, they're probably going to be, in, they're probably going to include some uh, personal anecdotes, which uh, I hope you'll find interesting, or at least be cool with me indulging myself. Now, uh, speaking of indulging, uh, I decided to begin today with my look at Secret Origins number one. This is from April 1986, which I choose today for the very same reason I originally chose it, as my one-year blog anniversary post back on January 31st, 2017. And that reason is, in and of itself, a bit self-indulgent. I chose it because it was, a, uh, You know, while we're talking about secret origins, I get to share with you the secret origin of ChrisIsOnInfiniteEarths.com. I apologize in advance. Now, uh, before we get to the start of Chris is on Infinite Earths, we're going to have to go back to the summer of 2011. Comic fans are going to know that that's important for uh, a few reasons, including the launch of the New 52. And while that was important to me, what was a little bit more important was uh, that was the year that I started college at the uh, ripe young age of 31. I uh, decided that it might help me, it might help the family out, so I went to college. And uh, jumping ahead to the launch of the blog, I was... Uh, I was taking one of my forensics uh, psychology classes, and we were tasked with profiling uh, a cold case. So uh, basically, we were going to not try to solve a cold case necessarily, but at least be able to pinpoint some of the uh, attributes of uh, the uh, a potential perpetrator of a case that's gone cold. And if you know me, I uh, will always find the most complicated way to do anything. So even the easiest of assignments... I'm going to make it as difficult and as uncomfortable as possible. And, and I, that was very much the case here. After looking through uh, several cold cases, I decided to go with the Amber Hagerman case. Now, this is a, a young girl who was abducted in uh, 1995 uh, from Arlington, Texas. In broad daylight, uh, she was abducted. Her body was found a few days later. Um, you might be familiar with her because... Uh, She's who the uh, Amber Alert is named after. Um, now, we had a few weeks to do this profiling, and I really let it get under my skin. I uh, <laughs> A lot of my gray matter was taken over by this case. Uh, I probably looked like a an insane person uh, <laughs> trying to research this thing. I had multiple computer screens up. I had maps printed out. I was combing over inconsequential statements from witnesses, uh, family members. It just uh, really, uh, really gripped me and didn't let me go. And I spent several weeks heavily researching it. 
And then the day came where I actually had to write about it. I had to write a presentation, plead my case for... Uh, I, I basically had to uh, justify my profiling. And I just couldn't do it. I was uh, just stuck. Uh, I sat down in front of the computer and... You know, fingers just hovered over the keys. It just... Nothing was coming. And... Um, and it wasn't a normal case of uh, writer's block either. It's because uh, usually I can just, you know, kind of BS my way through it or at least just get started with BSing. And then in somehow over over time, whatever I write will suddenly make sense and be applicable to the uh, to the assignment of the presentation. But here, this one was different. I couldn't type anything. And uh, I and I was I was confident in the data that I had. I was confident in my knowledge of the theories and of profiling. So it wasn't a matter of not knowing what to say. It might have been having too much to say. Uh, it might have also been that I'd gotten so deep into this research that I knew that once the piece was done, I'd actually have to let it go and move on. Uh, I don't think I'd, I'd necessarily convince myself that I could solve the thing, but uh, for some reason I just didn't want to let it go. And... Uh, before we move on with that, we need to shift gears a little bit here. Uh, a month or two before this assignment, I'd begun reading uh, comic blogs and uh, listening to comics podcasts again after about five years away. Um, I I kind of overdid podcasting, listening anyway, uh, back during a job I had in about 2011, 2012, where I was driving a lot. It uh, I had about six hours a day behind the wheel, so... Got a lot of listening in, and uh, maybe just got burnt out on it. Uh, I came across a uh, blog podcast uh, you might all be familiar with. That's Weird Science DC Comics. Now, they primarily wrote reviews of contemporary DC Comics, of which I was starting to become interested in again. Uh, after the uh, New 52, I went from collecting nearly every DC Comics release to... Just a couple. I, I think I was collecting Justice League and Teen Titans at the time, and not a whole lot else. Sometimes I'd pick up Batman, uh, but uh, really just not much. And at this point, I was kind of getting over it. I, was, uh, I, I wasn't necessarily all in, but I was uh, definitely open to dipping my toe back into DC Comics. And I credit them with being you know, something of a gateway drug, I suppose. Uh, I really liked what they did. Um, so many so many other sites that I had visited or podcasts that I listened to were uh, a little too rah-rah, I guess. Uh, and not that not that they hated everything, but they were uh, they gave me a feeling of honesty. They gave me a feeling where if they liked it, they they definitely cheered it on, but if they didn't like it, they told you why they didn't like it. It wasn't just a matter of this is bad and uh, we'll move on. They they gave you reasons. They uh they definitely backed up their claims on quality, and I, I appreciated that. Especially as I was so far removed from the comics at the time. And uh, and I didn't necessarily use them as a straightforward barometer, but uh, but it, it, was, uh, it was refreshing to hear. And a little before this uh, Hagerman project, I noticed that on their site they had opened a message board. And one of the folders on this message board was for reader reviews. And I made a mental note of it and didn't really think much of it. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd blogged a decade ago. I wasn't really in the, uh, in the right spot to do that. And uh, while I was stuck with this Hagerman case, I decided to, uh, 
I decided I needed to get away from it. And uh, I decided to write a review. I decided to write a review for their message board with, with hopes that maybe someone would see it, maybe like it, and uh, maybe offer me a position writing retro reviews on their site. Uh, the, the book I chose was Tales of the Teen Titans, number 55. That's uh, one of my all-time favorites. And considering that they had a uh, blogger template, I opened up a blogger of my own. That's Chris's on Infinite Earths. And I wrote it up, and then I copied and pasted it on their message board. And it kind of sat there. <laughs> it didn't get much fanfare. Uh, you know, uh, it just, uh, it, you know, it was what it was. Um, now, the thing of it was, going back to the, the uh, assignment, was that in writing something I was passionate about and something that was fun, I was somehow able to clear the logjam out of my head to get this forensic project done. And uh, I, I was just flooded with inspiration just... Not about the uh, not about academics, but I wanted to write more about comics. But I knew I needed to get this project out of the way before I could write more about comics. So, bada bing, bada boom, project was done. I was able to push it back and uh, and go on to more important things like uh, talking about ancient DC comics. Now, I enjoyed writing about comics so much, I decided to try my luck a few more times on the Weird Science message board. Because I really didn't want to start my own. Uh, <laughs> if you look at some of the older posts on Chris's on Infinite Earths, they are pretty bare bones. Uh, there's not very many photos. Um, there isn't a clear format just yet. It, the, the kinks hadn't been worked out. And uh, I figured that rather than have to deal with formatting of Blogger and all that stuff every day, or, or as often as I was going to post... I figured it might be a little bit less stressful and a whole lot more fun to just contribute to other blogs. I figured, you know, I could be writing about something I'm passionate about and, you know, maybe make make some new pals in the process. I thought it'd be a, a win-win. Uh, you know, because Blogger isn't always the most cooperative. I've, you know, been using it forever now, and it's still it's still challenging sometimes uh, in, insofar as the formatting. And, you know, blogging in and of itself, kind of like podcasting, is a somewhat lonely endeavor. Uh, I sometimes get the same reaction when I talk to folks, you know, and I tell people that I'm up, that I blog and also that I'm into comics and you get the same reaction uh, sometimes. And it's like, Hey, they still make those, <laughs> you know, referring to both comics and blogging. So I wasn't necessarily really chomping at the bit to, to start a blog on my own here. Uh, now, shortly after I started posting on their message board, uh, they took it down. And this left me with very little choice, but if I you know, wanted to continue writing about comics, I'd actually have to start a blog in earnest. Little did I know then that probably all it would have taken was me reaching out to Jim at Weird Science and saying, hey, would it be cool if I did retro reviews? And he probably would have said yes. Uh, but I, I've got this silly thing in my head where I need to earn things. I, I feel like I need to be asked. I I feel like asking is, is cheating. I, I'm not sure what my damage is, but uh, I'm certain that there is some. Now, I'm not sure when I decided to go daily uh, with uh, the blog, or stick to going daily anyway. Uh, like I said earlier, it's uh, I was just flooded with inspiration and books I just wanted to talk about, and I think starting out so hot kind of dictated the pace. I remember I was when I was blogging for seven days in a row, I thought it was amazing that I did a week. And then it was ten days in a row, and then I figured, hey, maybe I could do a month. And then when I did a month, it was like... 
well, the next step is 100 days. And uh, for some reason, after 100 days, I still didn't stop. And uh, here we are uh, some 900 days later. Now, with that out of the way, I thank you for <laughs> allowing me the indulgence. And uh, we will get on with Secret Origins number 1. Cover dated April 1986. Story is called The Secret Origin of the Golden Age Superman. Written and edited by Roy Thomas. Illustrated by Wayne Boring and Jerry Ordway. Colors Gene D'Angelo. Letterer David C. Weiss. At a cover price, 75 cents. Now we open on Krypton where Jor-El, that's uh, Jor-L, not Jor-E-L, he returns home to his wife after a long day working at the uh, so-called Science Council. Upon arrival, we're introduced to his infant son, Cal-L. That's K-A-L-L, not K-A-L-E-L. Uh, now, after bouncing the baby in the air a few times, family time is interrupted by a land quake. It's uh, not an earthquake because, well, they're not on Earth. I kind of, uh, kind of appreciate that they uh, remembered that. Now, the L's apartment begins falling apart. And so they flee to their reinforced other home. As they travel, we learn that Krypton's uranium core is about to ignite, which, you know, would mean the end of the planet. Inside their seasonal abode sits an experimental rocket ship. Not more than a toy in Jor's terms, uh, this piece was set to demonstrate his foresight in Krypton's potential instability. It was his hope that he'd be able to create a fleet of these crafts before Krypton eventually popped. Being as though all he's got is this tiny ship, there's only one thing they can do. You know it, I know it, we all know it. Little Cal is going for a ride. Cal-El is loaded into the ship and takes off just as the planet goes boom. The craft lands on Sol 3, which uh, we might know better as Earth. And it's found by the passing John and Mary Kent. So not Martha here. Now naturally, they find him and they... Take them straight to an orphanage, or actually an orphan asylum, which um, suddenly makes Superman's original treatment of Supergirl back in Action Comics 252 make a little bit of sense. I guess that's just the way you do things. Uh, he's not there all that long because uh, the Kents missed him dearly, and uh, also he was very destructive in this as asylum here. Uh, he, uh, they show him bouncing off the walls here. He's yanking things off the ceiling. So uh, the Kents are allowed to adopt him. And we advance through Clark's childhood, his adolescence, his young adulthood. We see him use his powers on the farm. We also see the death of his parents. Also, his eventual arrival in Metropolis at the offices of the Daily Star. He applies for the job of reporter without any experience. Uh, Editor Taylor rightfully tells him just to pound salt. He leaves, changes his clothes, and figures there's got to be a way to impress his would-be boss. Across town, we got a group of rowdies. Uh, they're battering ramming their way into the county jail. They're looking for an alleged murderer named Sims. They want to string him up for killing Jack Kennedy. No, not that Jack Kennedy. This is just a conveniently named labor leader. Superman arrives before our man Sims goes for a swing. Like, just barely. He's, he's already hung up in the tree. They just haven't pulled all the way yet. Superman returns Sims to the jail, where he introduces himself as just a reporter. We learn that Sims didn't do the deed, see? And neither did some woman named Evelyn Curry. Who that? Well, uh, she was another falsely arrested party who was about an hour away from her ride the electric chair. 
Sim claims that the real killer is a lounge singer named B. Carroll. Well, it's good as any theory, right? Before heading off to catch the baddie, Superman makes sure to call this tip on the hanging into the Daily Star, and that's an act that gets him hired. Minutes later, he's backstage at B's lounge act. He calls her out for the murder, and uh, in order to prove her innocence, she, well, she pulls a gun. That's probably not the best thing to do. He nabs the piece, nabs the lady, and flies her to the governor's house, where he actually binds and gags her on the lawn. It literally ties her up and just drops her on the lawn. And he says to her, wait here, all right? That's a good girl, before uh, knocking on the governor's door. He's met by an aide who refuses him entry. Which probably, you know, that's not going to stop Superman. Superman, he busts in anyway. Upstairs, we find the governor's bedroom has a steel door. Eh, well, steel is uh, probably not going to stop Superman either. So uh, he does make short work of this obstacle. Inside, we meet the governor, whose pajamas uh, actually match those of the aid. I, I wonder if those are government-issue PJs. Superman pleads his case. Uh, when that aide comes back, he's decided to fetch a gun and unload it right into Superman's ass, which, you know, that ain't, a, that ain't a smart move either. From here, Superman is able to convince the governor that they got the wrong lady by using a written confession that this uh, colorful, massive muscle man forced a lounge singer to write. I don't know if that would hold up in court, but I guess we'll allow it. There's a neat Golden Age touch here in the corner of these panels. Uh, it gives us a little timer, indicating that there's a life hanging in the balance. Uh, one of those things that's too fun not to mention. Now, Evelyn, the uh, girl who's about to go for a ride in the electric chair, she winds up getting a full pardon, and all is right with the world. From here, we jump into something of an Act 2 as Clark heads to work. Uh, we learn here that Superman is being called Superman. Yeah. Lois didn't name him here either. It's just kind of what the paper called him uh, because he has an S on his shirt. Following this heady meeting, Clark meets Lois Lane, writer of the Daily Star's Lonely Hearts column. Right out the gate, Clark asks her on a date. And she agrees right away. We jump ahead to their date where a heavy decides he wants to cut in, something that Clark meekly protests but doesn't physically stop. This rightly ticks Ms. Lane off and so she splits. Or well, she tries to, anyway. Uh, she's actually snatched and thrown into a trunk of a car. Uh, the baddies do uh, not make their intentions clear, though I, I suppose we could assume. Luckily, Superman is there on the scene, and he does some wacky feats of strength before carrying Lois to safety. Then he does, you know, that iconic thing with the car over his head that we might have seen him do once or twice before. After dropping Lois off at a bus stop, he requests that she not report on what happened. And she wonders just how he knew that she was a reporter. I mean, she's not wearing a press card or anything, which is a little sloppy there, Superman. Uh, anyway, uh, the next day, Lois heads into the star, and the first thing she does is, uh, well, she, you know, she tells the editor about exactly what happened the night before, which is uh, some good looking out on her part. Uh, we wrap this issue up with uh, Clark arriving and apologizing to Lois for the first of several million times to come. Uh, the issue ends with an image of what's to come for this happy couple, up to and including their marriage, in Action Comics number 484. And that was the first issue of Secret Origins from 1986 and the one-year blogiversary post at chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. Now, what could we say about this issue? I mean, it's, you know, a tale as old as time, right? Uh, we've all been here before, and some of us even got the T-shirt. 
But really, if you're going to launch an ongoing series of Secret Origins, you almost have to start with Superman, and if you're going to start with Superman, you might as well go back to the Golden Age Superman. This is a difficult one for me to really parse, uh, as this as this depiction of the Golden Age Superman is the way the Golden Age Superman has always been to me. Uh, might go without saying that my Golden Age game is a bit lacking, and uh, I can't say with any authority what bits were changed or tweaked between retellings of this origin. You know, that being said, I can really only take a look at this as just another issue of a comic book, and really not as a commentary on updating older characters to make them fit. Because uh, I, like I said, my frame of reference, my frame of reference comes after this for all the updates. Uh, all the updates that I'm familiar with come post Man of Steel. So as for this just being an issue of a comic book, it's pretty good. It's not half bad at all. Uh, it is very compressed, and it actually does feel somewhat like uh, what little Golden Age comics I have read. Uh, upon rereading this for the blog, I had completely forgotten about the pack half. You know, we get to Superman pleading his case to the governor, and we're just barely to the staples of this book. Uh, I mean, if you're if you're looking at it from current year comics, everything on the front half of this book could fill a trade paperback with the way things go today, which is pretty crazy. Uh, now, what's more, it doesn't actually read as being rushed or compressed. Uh, we get all the information we need. It's just that nothing. We don't really linger on anything because really there isn't a whole lot to linger on. Uh, we're really, you know, we're not making movies here, so we really don't need <laughs> nine-panel grids of repeated static talking heads to tell this story. Now, with all that being said, uh, this does evoke a Golden Age feel, so there are some silly moments. Uh, the idea of Clark Kent strolling into a newspaper on a whim in order to become a reporter so he can help others? That's a little precious, uh... I think we'd need a little bit more these days uh, than just wandering in off the street and asking for a job at a, the leading, you know, daily metropolitan newspaper. There's also the idea that uh, baby Cal nearly single-handedly destroyed an orphan asylum, and uh, not a single person there thought, hey, maybe we should contact the authorities. Uh, instead, they just call the kindly old couple who dropped him off the day before. Overall, though, this is a fine enough issue. A lot of fun, though uh, I'd say it's probably not one you need to break your back looking for. I think many of us are at least somewhat familiar with this story, and, you know, it is what it is. Uh, this one is not available digitally yet. Uh, DC has thus far only uploaded a few issues from the Secret Origins series. And, uh, hey, get this, most of them have to do with Batman. Go figure. Uh, so, really, you don't need to uh, break your back for this one, but if you do come across it on the cheap, you could do far, far worse. There is a lot of fun in this book. And that'll do it for the first episode of Chris's on Infinite Earths. Thank you so, so much for checking it out. We hope you enjoyed it. Hope you want to hear more stuff like this. Definitely let us know if that's the case. You can reach us at weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at CosmicTmill. You can find Reggie on Twitter at ReggieReggie. You can find me at, on Twitter at Ace Comics. You can check out the show site at WeirdComicsHistory.blogspot.com. You can also head over to Chris'sOnInfiniteEarths.com. If you see any posts over there you'd like me to talk about on the show, definitely drop us a line here. If you see any issues over there that you'd like to talk about, let us know. Maybe we can work something out. I'm not planning on this being a solely... <laughs> A uh, one-person thing here. Uh, this is a uh, pretty difficult just uh, sitting by myself talking into a microphone. So uh, I'm sure I'll rope Reggie into this every once in a while, and 
If there's anyone out there who'd like to discuss a, sing a single issue or something, just let me know and we'll see what we can work out. Once again, thank you so, so much for listening. So long for now. Look forward to visiting again with you real soon. See ya.